Hello, church family. Again, I'm privileged to bring you this week's uh, midweek Bible study. Um, I'm going to ask for you to be a bit patient with me. I've got my notes written down this time. I'm going to try to read them instead of I'm trying to go from off the top of my head. So here we go. Um, I have to confess to you guys that I'm thoroughly tired and um, just fed up with this whole, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID pandemic. <clears throat> No matter where I go or who I talk to, the talk is always about COVID. Uh, daily at work, there's some new initiative to help us uh, fend off this virus. Uh, the radio and television are always bringing us more bad news and depressing statistics. Don't get me wrong, I see the seriousness of this virus and um, have done all I can to be part of the solution, but I'm tired. <clears throat> One thing that I've really been trying to do in my own life is see what it is that God might be doing through all of this. Um, no matter what the reason is um, for this pandemic, whether it's God's wrath against sin or the consequences for sin in the world or just the testing of our faith, the question always seems to come back, what is my response to any of it? How am I looking at what God's doing and reflecting in my own life to see where I may be needing to change. Am I looking at areas in, in my life where sin may be just underneath the surface affecting everything I do? Am I confessing that sin? Am I reflecting on how short life is and am I reaching out to the lost? Or am I just accepting the circumstance, realizing that if I glorify God through it all, that in the end I'll be stronger for it. Knowing that the testing of my faith, my, knowing that the testing of my faith produces patience, as the as the Bible tells us. Uh, several weeks ago, as I was um, thinking about the response of our culture to the COVID nineteen virus, <clears throat> virus, I realized a bit of irony. Uh, we saw how health officials began implement, implementing preventative measures to minimize the spread of COVID, and scientists began working on finding a cure. We started hearing terms and phrases like shelter in place, social distancing, self-quarantine, um, isolation, flattening the curve, and essential. We've learned that there are more than 3 million virus, virus particles within an inch, making it um, highly contagious. Each virus is covered in spiky protrusions that are covered in fat. This is the reason why soap and water works good to destroy them. The, the protrusions uh, resemble that of a crown. The Latin word corona means crown. That's the name, coronavirus. The virus seems to have the biggest impact on the weak and those who, are, um, who have a compromised immune system. Um, the new... Um, Coronavirus latches its spiky um, surface proteins to receptors on healthy cells, and then especially those within your lungs. Once, um, once inside, the virus hijacks healthy cells and takes command, eventually killing some of them, suffocating you to death. I hope that by now you are starting to see maybe some of the irony I mentioned earlier. Sin, in a lot of ways, is like the coronavirus. Sin is the evidence of pride and selfish desires that denies God's kingship and puts us on the throne. <clears throat> we put on the corona. We put on our own crown, so to speak. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matthew 13, 22 says, um, 
But the cares of the world and the pleasure and delight and glamour <clears throat> and deceitfulness of riches um, choke and suffocate the word of God, yielding no fruit. Does that sound like the virus? Romans 5.12 also says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death um, spread to all men because all sinned. Well, that brings me to my next point. Sin has created in mankind a 100% um, death rate. Corona only has a 3% death rate or somewhere in that general area. Um, and with that 3% death rate, we've deemed the coronavirus a worldwide pandemic. So we shelter in place, practice social distancing, and self-quarantine. We wear gloves, masks, goggles, goggles, and gloves. We sanitize and wash our hands and bleach everything we use or touch. If someone coughs, sneezes, or sniffs, we shy away or go down a different aisle. I wonder, do we treat sin with the same sense of urgency and fear and disdain? I know God does. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, we see um, that it is full of warnings and instructions to the children of Israel on how not to be ensnared by the sin of the cultures around them. In Deuteronomy uh, chapters uh, 7 and 12, we read how God tells the Israelites to not um, associate with the people of that day, to burn uh, all the silver and the gold, and to um, not intermarry with the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites. Uh, they were not to make covenants with them because um, all these things would turn God's children away from him. It sounds extreme, the way social distancing seems to me. It seems extreme, but I realize that it's necessary. Um, it's necessary so that we don't cause the spread of this virus. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Um, Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. James has much to say about protecting your mouth. Chapter 3 talks about bridling our mouths because like a rudder on a ship, the tongue in our mouth controls us. And what a huge forest fire we can start with it. Keeping our mouths shut when only evil lurks in our hearts is like wearing a mask, keeping us from infecting those around us. There is so much to say about protecting ourselves and guarding our hearts and minds against sin. It seems that Christians sometimes try to see how close they can get to sin without actually sinning. I've heard it said about Christians that we are more about managing sin than we are about managing to flee from sin. It's like driving on a road in the mountains on a switchbacks with a steep bank on one side. And instead of staying to the center of the road, we hug the edge as close as we can so that we can see the bottom of the canyon. And then when we slip and slide on the, on the pavement or when we get a flat tire and end up in the ditch, we wonder why. And we say, oh, that wasn't my fault. Or how did that happen? Um, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 29 through 30, if your eye, 
but your hand caused you to sin, cut it off or pluck it out and throw it away from you. It's better to lose a part of your body than to end up in hell. You know, I don't think that Jesus was seriously encouraging us to mutilate ourselves, but more emphasizing the seriousness of sin and doing all that is possible to avoid it. Is sin so detestable to us that we would be willing to lose a limb to keep from sinning? If you struggle with sexual sin, why would you go to an illicit movie or an establishment or venue or do you know that it would be visible? The same with any other um, addiction, drugs or alcohol. Why would you go someplace where you know those things are readily available? Maybe you like to spend money. Well, Amazon is just a click away. Whatever trips you up, set it aside. The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, verse 1, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Have you ever seen a runner stray from their lane to talk to the fans or wear a jacket or carry a suitcase? They have one thing in sight, and that is the finish line. To continue with this whole COVID analogy, um, we look at sheltering in place and self-quarantine. You know, in all of this, don't hear me saying to avoid non-believers and that all things in this world are evil. But where do, we, where do we go when we feel the cares of this world or the coronavirus bearing down on us? Who or what is our shelter? Um, what rejuvenates you? boost your immune system system if you will is it your job your spouse your money your home home or possessions um, is it ppe you know we've been hearing all about ppe and uh, protecting ourselves against the virus what are we doing to protect ourselves against the greatest virus of all and that is sin you know it's amazing when we start looking at scripture and what it has to say about um Resting in the Lord when we talk about um, um, social distancing and, and resting in, or uh, sheltering in place, where are we resting? Are we resting in the Lord? When Scripture talks about resting in Him, a lot of times, it always starts off with a little disclaimer. You'll read things like, put off the old self. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Create me in me a clean heart. Do not be anxious. Repent, and then turn to God. Second Corinthians has some great encouragement. I particularly like chapter 4, verse 16, which says, Therefore, we do not um, lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul precedes this verse by uh, telling us that all things are for our sake. God has our best interest at heart. And that through the grace that he is showing throughout the Christian community, more people will give thanks and glorify God. And isn't that our goal, that Christ be glorified both in our lives and in um, the world? Um, in regards to God, in regards, in regard to God's protection, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's not forget that we are not promised a trouble-free life. But we are promised that God will go through this with us. 
The world hated Jesus, so they're going to hate us as well. But God promises um, to deliver us and to be with us through it. Uh, what a, a tremendous encouragement that is. Sometimes our deliverance may not come until we see Jesus face to face. But again, it all comes back to our response. And how are we responding to these trials that we're going through? Psalm 34, 19 says, The righteous person may have, may have troubles, but the Lord uh, delivers him from them all. And then Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present tr help in trouble. You know, through all of this, I'm not trying to say that we as Christians are um, these huge failures and that we can't seem to get it right. But what I am saying is what is our response to this whole thing? How are we protecting ourselves from the biggest disease of all, sin? What is essential? Who is essential? It's funny what we've come to understand is necessary in this life. Like this virus growing around, a lot of us have become so infected with what we think we need that we're starting to feel constricted, like we can't breathe. We're showing the symptoms, but we ignore them. I find myself even, even guilty in the same way. I get to the end of the week and I'm like exhausted from all the things I got going on in my life. And I start wondering, man, why am I ignoring the symptoms? During this corona pandemic, what would we say to a person who was having a hard time breathing had a fever, and was coughing. If the infected person um, avoided going to the hospital, would we not inform them and urge them to go, educating, to them, educating them to the plight that they may be facing? If they still refused, knowing that death was imminent, would we not call them foolish? The same way in our own lives. Are we not called to see the symptoms, recognize the symptoms, and make those changes in our own lives. You know, I fill my time with endless projects and hobbies. I try to keep my kids as involved as, as, involved as is possible. But there's nothing like a crisis, um, like the one we're going through now, to put it all into perspective. As I've sat evenings with my family and discussed the coronavirus and all the things that are going on and discussed all the different ways that we've been shut down um, in all of our plans. Um, we've had to really put into perspective what it is that is essential in our lives. Where is our focus? Let us not ignore the symptoms. Let's take this God-given time in history to recalibrate, to strengthen our immune systems, if you will, and trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge Him. Let God direct us. You know, as believers, we say that God has a purpose and a plan for us and that all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. If that's true, if we truly believe that, then let us really put our faith in God. Let us really set aside those things in our lives that are distracting us from the essential things. You know, God has made it pretty simple um, what he wants. You know, he tells us, seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness. And then to go into all the world preaching the gospel. You know, I think, you know, even, even though it sounds simple, um, it can be hard. And I ask myself, why is it hard? Sometimes I wonder if it's because I've put so much non-essential stuff in my life that I've drowned out or overshadowed what God has really called me to do. And am I serving God in all those things that I do? Or are they just fillers that fill up my time so I don't have to stop and really self-examine? You know, Thursday morning, um, Crystal and I were doing a Bible study, and one of the scriptures that we read was uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And as I read it, I thought to myself, man, now that's what's essential. That should be what I'm looking at. And I'm going to read that for you um, because I think it's, it's pretty important. Um, here's how it reads. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Abhor, it says, what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Excuse me, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. But you know that the difference... Well, sorry, I'm reading too fast here. Um, the difference between those of us who are saved and those who are not is where we're going to spend eternity and how we will be able to make it through this life and if this life will be filled with the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. You know, I think uh, one of the other terms that we hear is flattening out the curve. When we look in our own, when we look around in our culture today, there are people dying left and right. Not of the coronavirus, though that may be, or any other disease or um, um, whatever you want to call it. But there's a much bigger disease out there, and that's sin. People are dying every day by the millions, and they are going to spend eternity without Jesus Christ. Let us be the tools that God uses to flatten out the curve, to administer the cure, if you will, to this world. Do not be so overcome by the things of this world that we forget the essentials, that we forget what we've been called to do as believers. Let us reach out to this world. Let us warn them and provide them with a hope so that they will 
someday uh, be re re reunited with Jesus, face to face with him. You know what, thanks. And I hope that uh, through all of this, you guys will just take the time to self-reflect. Um, but from God's perspective, through his word, and to examine yours and for me to examine my life and find out what's essential. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate your grace and patience with me. Thank you. Bye-bye.